is, John. Do we have you? Press that mute button for me. I got it, Jake. There he is. Thank you, sir. You got it. It just took me, I don't know, like 10 minutes to figure this out. But I'm good. I'm good now. I mean, I know it's uh, it's not the most uh, natural process for a radio uh, veteran such as yourself. So I appreciate you uh, stepping out of your comfort zone and joining me here. Yeah, no, I'm very sure it's very, very normal. But technology is not my thing. But, but me and my, my wife helped me figure it out. So I'm I'm good to go, my friend. There you go. Well, your thing is definitely Phoenix Sports. And um, I've always enjoyed popping on your show with you when I've been lucky to go on those airwaves. And honestly, I think the the streets learned this summer that you're you're the go-to source when it comes to Phoenix stuff. So um, I knew I was working on some Jay Crowder uh, tidbits for a week and a half or so. I wanted to reach out to you to get you on here um, and kind of pick your brain, bounce what I've learned off of you because you probably know more than me. So um, I'll kind of just start pretty generally at first, and we'll kind of pick our way through the weeds here. Um, you know, the DeAndre and Monty Williams relationship kind of took center stage this summer. Um, when did you know or get any inkling that there was also some strife with Jake Crowder? And um, obviously, it, it's come to a front with the contract he wanted um, and, and apparently is not going to be getting and the Cam Johnson minutes stuff and the starting spot. But when did you, boots on the ground, start to get a sense that this could be uh, a story into the preseason. You know, honestly, Jake, with the DeAndre Ayton trade talks, once the DeAndre, you know, talks, you know, came about um, and we knew that, you know, the Suns were not going to give him a, a max contract from themselves. And, and for a year now, we've kind of assumed that the best scenario for the Suns was that somebody else would max out DeAndre. The Suns would just match the offer. They'd save a year and they save about $45 million. But when sign and trade started to become a possibility, because the Suns, look, I'm going to tell you this today. The Suns still don't want to pay a set of $30 million. This was not what they wanted to do. They, they don't believe in that, uh, going about it that way and paying a center $30 million. They like the Kevin Looney angle. Let me, let me play a, pay a center $10, $12 million and his backup five, and I'll spend that money elsewhere. But when, when a lot of the trade talks started to come about, what teams would be interested in DeAndre, uh, Jay Crowder's name came up when you start because it looked like if a deal was going to get done, it wasn't going to get done with just two teams. The Suns sure. had nothing the Nets wanted. It was going to be three teams. It was going to be four teams. And that's where Jay Crowder's name started to come up. And then I spoke with a bunch of different teams. And I'll tell you, Boston wasn't interested in Jay Crowder. But I kept getting these teams telling me that Jay Crowder has been involved in the discussions, that Jay's name has come up here and there. So I think... To be honest, with you, I think it was early in the summer when we started to talk about would the Suns do a sign and trade with DeAndre Ayton that we saw that Jay Crowder's name was involved in some of the possible three and four way deals that. Sorry, we lost you at the end. No, no, no I just had another. I had an NBA team just calling me right, right there. there. So there you go. That, that, so I, that, that, that happens. That that happens here. Yeah, I appreciate I just, you declining them for us. Yeah, I de- I declined an NBA team. We'll call that we'll call that team back. But yeah, that's really what it came down to was that Jay's name started to be bandied about in some of the potential three and four team deals with DeAndre. Now it never came about. But then after that, I you know, and I'll I'll tell you. I had a team tell me that you know that the the agent was given permission to seek a trade. This was about two weeks before 
you know, Jay came out and, and, and the news came out that Jay wasn't going to be a camp and he was yeah. going to try to trade him. But that a team had a team in the West had told me that Jay was given permission to seek a trade because the Suns were having a hard time finding a trade on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first I had heard of him being available or talked about, I remember was when word started to get around that PJ Tucker was in more than not likelihood, whatever the correct terminology of saying it was all but guaranteed I was going to Philly that Miami had Jay Crowder right at the top of their list to be his small ball four replacement if you will and obviously Jay was in Miami before we got to Phoenix had that great bubble run shot a blister and I saw it the other day 46 percent from three during that stretch with Miami that season um, and he came into free agency and was looking for a three-year 30 million dollar deal the heat didn't want to do it, though. It's kind of the same situation he was in right now. Um, but he was actually going into free agency versus having a year left on his beat. That was something, too, where I was talking to an executive yesterday, kind of asking if this has escalated more so now as opposed to five, ten years ago, where a year before your deal expires, every player down from the superstar to the role player to the back-of-the-bench rookie wants to start talking about their next contract. Um, it just seems like that's what, what's really triggering most of these transactions from happening. But um, back to, to Jay and Phoenix, I mean, it's your understanding. You're, you're talking about seeking permission to get a deal done. It, it's your understanding that Jay was the one who, or Jay's side of things, or correct me if I'm wrong, um, what, what was the, the side of, of this equation that presented the idea of him not reporting to camp, right? Yeah, it, it, what what I was told from from different teams was that Jay wanted an extension. Suns weren't willing to give him an extension, and then the Suns and that they didn't have to do this, but they did tell him that their plan was to start Cam Johnson and that Jay would come off the bench. You know, they're going to make a big investment in Cam Johnson. He was a draft pick of James Jones. He's worked out to be a really good player. He's a little bit more of a consistent <coughs> shooter than than Jay is. Doesn't have the same intangibles defensively, but they they actually told Jay that you know. He, you're going to come off the bench. Jay may be looking at this saying, look, my role is going to change. I'm going to go from being a starter to a bench player, and that's going to affect my value. I'd rather yeah. get out now and try to strike a deal with the team than, than be a bench player with the Suns, see my minutes decline, not be in at the end of games, and that could hurt my value next year. So that very well could be the reasoning as to why, and this is, this is exactly what I was told, the reasoning is that Jay would rather get out now than play it through with the Phoenix Suns and then be a free agent. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense because I can, knowing how these conversations work, I can already see a year of success in Phoenix playing that bench role. Then he gets into free agency and his agent is talking to other teams. And the way that free agency works for fans who, who don't really know this type of minutia, a lot of contracts are really dependent on comparable deals that have happened either the year before or even in that very same offseason marketplace. So, for example, I mentioned in the story today that I wrote at Yahoo um, about how Maxi Kleba's extension was 330-ish. I forget the exact numbers. Um, Larry Nance Jr. Um, got two years at roughly $11 million, right in that ballpark that Jay Crowder wanted. And it's not a coincidence that those guys' names were, were repeated to me by multiple executives I talked to as examples that they were told Jay Crowder is looking for. Um, because that's how that's how the business works. And I can already hear 
an executive telling Jay Crowder's agent in theory next summer the comparison that you're giving me, well, that guy's a starter and Jay's not. That that, that really can be a thing that hurts players in those negotiations. Yeah, and I had spoken with, you know, several teams. I was able to rule out Dallas. You know, Dallas is Dallas didn't have interest in Jay. Boston didn't have interest in Jay. And all of a sudden it became, okay, you know, Jay Jay's definitely a little overrated. He's definitely a little bit overrated. He's a real streaky shooter. Sometimes he can help you, sometimes he can't. But he does bring a lot of intangibles to the table. Suns are going to miss his defense. He's a terrific defensive player. The numbers back that up. And in losing him and JaVel McGee at the same time, you've really hurt your defense. And with Cam Johnson going into the starting lineup, you really hurt your bench now. So the Suns didn't really address the bench. So I think in a deal for Jay, look, a lot of people here have said, boy, is there any way he can make this work? You know, give him a two-year deal. But I, I don't think that that is a possibility. Um, I, it would be great if they could find a way to make it work and keep it because he'd be a valuable part of that bench. But I think the most likely scenario is that James Jones is looking, I need a player that can help me right now. They've got two windows, right, Jake? They've got the window with Chris Paul right now. That window's open mm-hmm. right now. And then you've got the window when Chris leaves. And don't forget that Chris's contract after this year, it's not fully guaranteed next year. It's only partially guaranteed. So if something you know goes really wrong, they could get off of it. They probably won't. He's probably here for two years. Yeah. But the window after Chris is the Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges window. And it, that will be a much different window. But I think James is re- really hoping to keep, you know, to keep options open for that second window as well. So there's a couple of things you touched on that were already kind of circling in my head that I wanted to address. The one I'll, I'll bring the most because I thought more of a conclusion, but you said it. Do you think, because I asked a couple people, high-ranking you know, GMs, assistant GMs, this week, Monday and Tuesday, what happened? I mean, if there hasn't been a deal yet, there's not an obvious avenue to a deal getting done. Maybe there is something that the Suns have in their pocket that they'd be happy to do when push comes to shove on, you know, midnight before the season opener or Sunday or whatever it is. But at this point, if it's not there, or if they have that and they haven't gotten anything to top that, why wouldn't, like, what's really going to materialize in the next 200 hours, let's say, right? Um, So if we get to a point where we're into the regular season and maybe we're even into 10, 15 games approaching Christmas, do you think there, this can be salvageable? Do you think there's a way to get Jake Crowder back onto this team? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out and say no. Did anybody think Kevin Durant was going to go back to Brooklyn when he called for the firing of Marks and Nash? I mean, you know, <laughs> no. nobody thought that that was going to happen. And the Suns, the Suns sat by, and I don't blame the Suns. They they waited. You know, um, you know, I the day that Kevin Durant said he wanted out of um, Brooklyn, I reported. If you go back and look at my timeline, I reported that the Nets had no interest in DeAndre Ayton, and for all yep. intents and purposes, that killed any deal. That killed any pod. The same day that Durant said, "I'm." I want out of here. I, I, I called and checked on it, and they had no interest in Aiton. And so that killed any chance, really, the Suns had because um, they just, the Nets, the, the Suns didn't have anything the Nets wanted. And Suns are very reluctant to put Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges in a deal. I know in your article today, and it was exactly yeah. right. The Suns, have, the Suns have zero interest in trading Cam Johnson. They were going to try to get a, a Kevin Durant deal done without including Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson in a deal. They just wanted to give up all the picks and expiring contracts. Yeah, that was something I wanted to address. So I, I probably could have worded that a little better, being that I, I was told that at a certain point in the negotiations, Phoenix did put Cam Johnson in, onto the team. You know, it's difficult putting these exact 
um, phrasings on it because what's the offer or discussion or whatever. But I, I do know that at a certain point this summer, Phoenix would have been willing to put Cam Johnson into a deal if it brought back Kevin Durant. But to your point, John, yeah, they definitely – I mean, I, I was trying to put that story as more context about how much they valued Cam and how much they have foreseen him ultimately and, and, and eventually taking this step into the starting lineup over Jay. I even remember at a certain point when Jay joined up with with CP that summer before the finals run, hearing that Jay was even viewed as a, as a stopgap while Cam was developing. Um, so it kind of seems like from the get-go, those two guys had been um, not like a bat, not like you draft a, a young quarterback in the second round for two years so he grows under your veteran quarterback, but something akin to that, like Andre Iguodala mentoring uh, Kaminga type stuff yeah. in Golden State right now, um, and that they had a ballpark number that they wanted at this contract, four years, roughly a little over $70 million, um, and that they didn't want to put him in there. Obviously, if, you're not, if the Nets don't like DeAndre Ayton, and Cale Bridges and Devin Booker, then he was going to be the, the name on the chopping block of a sacrifice, if you will, to go and get Kevin freaking Durant. Um, but yeah, Cam Johnson clearly is someone that this office has valued very highly going back to draft night when they did some trade uh, chicanery to get him. Yeah, I, the, the the deal is the Suns checked in uh, with the Nets, you know, on a normal basis, not like over, on a normal basis they would check in. But the problem really came with the Nets always told the Suns, you don't have anything we want. Like, and so that's yeah. where you got into the three and four team deals. The Suns had multiple conversations with the Nets in the offseason. They were never out of it because they were never really in it. The Nets were insistent that the return had to be better than what Utah got for Gobert. So Mikhail Bridges was never offered in a deal because there was no formal offer made. Now, to your point, there are always discussions, right? Yeah. There are always discussions. We can get into Jay with the Jazz in a second here. There, there, but there was never an offer made. The, the Suns simply didn't have anything that Brooklyn really wanted. And they were told several times, you don't have what it takes to get done. And then you'd hang up the phone and wait a few days and call back again just to see where things are. But that's why, like, you know, were, were the Suns ever in it? No, not really. I mean, they were they were talking um, and, and names may have been, but, but no offer was ever made. So, you, just, you know, and that protects the Suns players, but I, they never said, okay, we'll give you this, 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 and this. That, that n- never got to that point. Yeah, it's it's so difficult when, I mean, and there's someone I know who I knew before they got into a high-ranking front office position who I saw um, in person at the combine, and they said to me that um, he gave me a compliment. I'm not going to share the compliment. I puffed my chest out too much, but I'll say he said to me, well, reporting on transactional stuff is so difficult because, A, so few people in the organizations even know what was actually offered, what was actually put on the table, what have you, let alone someone who's not in the room or not on the phone figuring out through second hand what definitively happened it is a tricky puzzle to put together but um to, to, to bring it back to jay and we'll spin this towards utah um i think partially a big reason and an undercurrent um as to why he's still in phoenix and there hasn't been a trade that's been completed is that he's kind of been you saying he's been a bit overrated and i, I think that the shooting has been one thing that i've heard pretty frequently from even interested teams, but other teams in terms of just assessing what his value is, that has never been a consistent threat from outside. He certainly is enough to scare you and make a defense run out and try to close out when the ball's swinging. He's wide open on the corner. Um, but he's definitely not 
that, oh, my God, Jay Crowder has the ball. What are we going to do? You know, alarm bells ringing, three-point shooter like a Cam Johnson is, right? So I think that's one aspect that's hurting it. The age is obviously a thing as well. He's 32 years old. And I get it why a, a career mercenary like P.J. Tucker before him, you know, Jay's bounced around from team to team on short-term deals. He wants that one final contract that he really, in theory, is worth because he's a starting-level player on a championship-caliber team. You know, there are questions I, I've heard about, you know, the fit with Monty Williams relationship-wise. Like, you know, he's – Jay Crowder is a motherfucker, and, like, you want him on your side, but also – it, 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 he, he definitely has a personality that I can understand. Certain wouldn't uh, it, it, it could clash with certain people. Um, but the other thing that's an interesting comment that I've heard a couple of times when I brought this to other people that they've kind of they've agreed in that Jay Crowder found his market value at a time when the whole league was looking to find wings who could play up and guard four, and now there's so many guys like that because that's what the league has been focused on developing. That as the league has kind of gotten a bit bigger here. It seems like, at least with their wallets, teams are starting to show more value for a guy like Maxi Kleba, who's a big who can shoot and guard right. down, versus the opposite of what Jay does. Yeah, no, man, Maxi spreads that floor for Dallas. They love him. That's why, like, when I checked with Dallas, he had no, we have no interest in, and we have no interest in Jay Crowder. So Dallas didn't have any interest in him. Look, here's what a player told me on Jay: what they're going to miss about him the most. He was the only guy, the only guy that would get in Chris Paul and Devin Booker's grill and even Monty's grill and call them out. You're not going to yeah. get that from Mikhail Bridges. You're not going to get that from Cam Johnson. You're not going to get that from anybody else. Jay Crowder was the only guy that would get on Chris, that would get on Book, and that would get on Monty. And hard. Like, he would get on those guys if they needed to. Nobody else would stand up to those guys and do that. But Jay had the respect. So losing Jay... You're losing to one guy that could call out the veteran players, um, but that's going to be big. Now, I, I, look, Utah's not trying to win basketball games, okay? They're trying to get into the sweepstakes for Wembayama and, you know, put themselves in a position. So would they trade Clarkson? Yeah, they would trade Clarkson. To this point, the Suns have not inquired about Clarkson. I think, yep. Jake, I think it has to do with the money. Remember, the Suns are a luxury taxpayer right now. They're going to be a repeat luxury taxpayer next year. Clarkson's $13 million this year, $14 million next year. Um, you know, I mean, you got campaigned at five or six. I don't know. I mean, I like Clarkson. I mean, he can flat out score. He's different. He's not a, But he's not a one, right? He's not the guy that you get him and say, okay, when Chris retires, he could be your point guard. Because he's not a point guard. He's, he can dribble, but he's a combo guy. But he'd be a great scorer off the bench for the Phoenix Suns. That's what they need right now is they need a scorer off the bench. They could have really used that last year against Dallas in the playoffs, a scorer off the bench because campaign slipped dramatically last year. So I like Clarkson. I think he'd be a good fit here, but I don't – I mean, and I think you could get him. I think Jay Crowder and a first-round pick, and you could get Clarkson because Utah so would get another – yeah, Utah would get another first-round pick, and they would get off of a good player that would help them lose more games, you know, because Clarkson – they like Clarkson. He's a good kid. He loves it there. They're not, like, trying to trade him, but if somebody says, I'll give you a first-round pick – and a player, then I think the Jazz would absolutely do that or at least have a conversation about it. I just don't know if the Suns will go that direction because of the you know the, the money that's on that contract right now. Even though it's a good contract, the Suns are a luxury taxpayer at this point. Yeah. 
No, and I've definitely been told that that is very much uh, serving as a guideline in all all these Phoenix talks and about how expensive their tax bill is. And yeah, Clarkson, you said that they haven't had um, real conversations there. I do know he's someone that's on the radar, right? And they've been attached to a lot of guards um, in, I guess, the last 18 months. You know, Eric Gordon was a name that was constantly being uh, linked to the Suns' interest in trying to supplement that backcourt with shooting and ball handling help. Um, I mean, Atlanta is one of the other teams that does seem to be a legitimate uh, landing spot. Uh, he's from the area. Um, yeah, but what could you end, get? Like, they're not going to give up Hunter or Bogdanovich. I mean, for sure, what, for sure. what what are you going to get from – I mean, I, I you know, Atlanta makes sense for, for them to get Jay, but, like, they're not going to give up a young bull in DeAndre Hunter who's – Coming into no, his own right now, they're not going to give up Bogdanovich, even though they've got salary problems down the road. Bogdanovich is so much better of a player than Jay Crowder. I just, I mean, I mean, I, I think you're talking about Holiday. You're talking about a, yes. a, a, a mid thirties, six six guard to get Jay Crowder from Atlanta, and I don't, you know, that's I, I'd rather have Jay, but that's probably what you would get from Atlanta is Holiday in a deal. Yeah, I think Holiday is the most likely piece that would go back in that scenario, and there'd have to be. Another younger player, someone like Jalen Johnson, who I know the Hawks have very high expectations for. I think he was clearly drafted um, with some design of replacing or of being part of the replacements for John Collins at a certain point, along with Onyeka Kongwu. Um, but there is a gap, or, or there is a you know a lot in front of him, preventing him from being a part of that rotation. If there's another piece on that roster that is in theory a young player that could get rerouted to go get someone like KJ Martin from Houston that I've been told uh, the Suns like or another player on their board. I do think Phoenix is open to taking back stuff, a team that wants Jay with the sole purpose and intent of rerouting some of that stuff or all that stuff for something that's more of interest to them. Yeah. I mean, to your point, the reason that the Suns did not get Bogdanovich is more because they wanted Jared Vanderbilt and the Jazz would not put Vanderbilt in the deal. So we, I, I think, I think, you know, that Bogdanovich in Utah would have been a nice fit for, for the Phoenix Suns. And if Definitely. the Suns would have offered, if the Suns would have made an offer for just, just for for him, first round pick, they would have got him, but nobody offered a first round pick for him. But the Suns were insistent that the, that the Jazz put Vanderbilt in the deal. So they would have taken Bogdanovich from Utah if the, if the young power forward was in the deal and he never was. So all, all that's left to be asked here for you. And then I'll get one question from Nick and we'll get you out of here, John. Um, I mean, I, I only saw the Suns for one night at Team Oval Arena in Vegas um, against the Lakers. And I watched the game uh, on League Pass against Denver the other night. They do kind of seem to be, at least at Adelaide, whatever happened there. They seem to kind of be a team in good spirits. I think even though the Andre stuff, the Sarver stuff, this Jay thing, I mean, the words that people are saying, DeAndre's saying it's kind of, you know, back to normal now. Depending on how this crowd or trade dynamic unfolds, do you think this is something that could just be the bridge, especially if they get rolling in the regular season and start off to a, a good start? Winning is, is always the magical elixir that can cure all wounds in a franchise. Sure. Well, they won 64 games last year, franchise record, and couldn't get out of the second round. Um yeah. In the next 16 days, in the next 16 days, they're going to play the Dallas Mavericks. They're going to play Golden State, and they're going to play New Orleans. By the 28th of October, they're going to play all three of those teams. 
and we'll get a pretty good idea of what they are. I think that they've got a lot of weaknesses. I think their bench is a major weakness. And the other problem is, I'm sure you've talked about a whole lot, is, you know, Kawhi's back and Murray's back and, you know, yeah. Zion's back. And, the you know, it's not that the Suns, I, they're not as good as they were last year, losing Jay Crowder and JaVel McGee. At this point, they've lost Jay. Um, but those other teams have just gotten so much better that it's, you know, you're not going to win 64 games this year. They'll still be a contender, and they still got that mid-level taxpayer exception to use at some point to kind of address some of their issues. There you go. All right, Nick, what's up? And then we'll get John out of here. Hey, uh, thanks, Jake, for taking my call. You got uh, it, What's going on? Yeah, real quick, um, I saw you, the Grant Williams note in your story today. Um, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of surprised to read that because there were like stories, but I think Sean's story about how like there was optimism still, and that there's you know there's still like what five days I think until the rookie extension deadline. Um, yeah. I'm just wondering, like, do you have any more clarity on that and why you think this is gonna hit restricted free agency? Uh, thanks, Jake. Yeah. Um, and I'll also say, I saw in the comments, our, our regular commenter and caller, Ice Trey, asked for any updates on Hunter's contract negotiations, DeAndre Hunter. I don't have any on Atlanta um, with DeAndre. I just know that they were very far apart um, in, at one point this offseason, about $40 million, I believe, 40 to $20 million, I believe, over four years, which is a big gap um, with Buffin. I've heard from both sides of that negotiation, the agent side and uh, the team side, that um, that Williams is not expected to, to pick it up and has been kind of communicating he's not going to or, or accept the offer that's come from Boston. Um, so, I mean, it could, that could change. But, you know, when the 11th hour comes and there's life-changing money sitting on the table, he might take it. But so far, everything I've heard has been consistent that Williams and his, his people have been projecting that they're not going to um, be accepting what's on the table right now. And I will bring this back to Phoenix and John one last time to close here. Where do you expect Cam Johnson's deal to come? Do you think it will come? Um, and uh, do you think that's a storyline that's getting maybe even undercover during all this Jake Crowder stuff? I expect to get done. He wants to be here. He wants to be here and they want him here. I think it's north of 72 for four years, though. That price just keeps going up. Um, you know, the hard part now is the Suns and who's, Who's handling the money, right? With Robert Sarver yep. out and a new owner coming in, how much flexibility is there to add a contract? Look, I'll go back to the old sons with Amari and Steve Nash and Marion. Remember when they didn't sign Joe Johnson? They signed yep. it. They got Quinton Richardson. They, had, they said, oh, we're going to wait. We're not going to sign Joe Johnson. If they didn't sign Cam Johnson, it would kind of remind me of the year that they didn't sign Joe Johnson. He ends up going to Hawks for Boris Diaw and, uh, in a trade. And, uh, and I think the Suns always felt like if they would have kept Joe, they might have won a championship because he was such a good player at that time. If you don't sign Cam Johnson, I mean, after taking care of Book and after taking care of DA and McHale, it would be similar. But my, my guess is that they do get something done with him before the season. Yeah, the 472, I definitely was under the impression was what Phoenix was hoping it would be and, and fully expecting to pay more. So, um, I mean, he's definitely not in the Tyler Hero, R.J. Barrett range, right? But I think he'll be below McHale. That, that is fully my expectation. I, I'd be floored if he, if he got above what McHale's got. But he would be certainly up for a big payday. And regardless, it's going to be well north of $15 million average annual, which, look, when he got picked – it was a very surprising pick. Uh, it shocked a lot of people on the league. I don't think people were expecting him to be commanding that, that big of a payday. So 
Um, I think that's also just one small tidbit that regardless of the overall theme and tone of this uh, podcast and uh, the entire Suns discourse this offseason, it is a kind of reflective of how this team's been built pretty well on the whole. And that's just kind of the difficulty with team building. There's going to be personalities involved and new contracts that come about. And this is a business. So it's always interesting, the little wrinkles that and speed bumps that get brought to a franchise and a front office along the way and how they navigate them. And we navigated the story by bringing on the great John Gabadaro from 98.7 FM. Appreciate your time, man. This was awesome. You got it, Jake. Take care. Thanks. Anything you want to plug before you go? No, I'm on uh, on Twitter. I'm on Gambo987. And, uh, you know, we, we do a lot of Suns, Cardinals, ASU, Diamondbacks. We cover all the local teams here. So, and my show's two to six. But anytime you need me on, my friend, anything happening in Phoenix, you let me know. I'll be glad to join you. Thank you, man. Take care. Uh, you got it. Take it easy.